Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and a video cast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. I'm here in beautiful Trinidad and Tobago. And if you're just listening to this, make sure you check out the uh, video version on YouTube because there's actually roosters and chickens hanging around where I'm doing the interview. And uh, <laughs> there's not many times where I've done an interview with roosters who are video bombing me. Um, and uh, currently, my wife and me, we're traveling around the world, and we love interviewing other dads, other uh, digital nomad dads, other traveling dads. And on the uh, uh, show today, we have the pleasure of interviewing Vincent, who's actually um, a full-time photographer. And we've never had a full-time photographer on the show. And he has a very unique mission. Uh, his mission is to photograph every stadium in North America. And uh, what a lofty goal. I mean, uh, he's already covered several, and I've actually looked at his website, and wow, what, what incredible photography um, on his website. Uh, so we'll be asking uh, Vincent about his jump from being a regular employee to uh, being a freelancer and an entrepreneur and a photographer. So uh, Vincent, uh, for the sake of the listeners and viewers, why don't you do a quick intro, who are you, and tell us a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, absolutely. thanks for having me on. It was a pleasure. I love watching the roosters while we're talking. This is this is unique. So this is <laughs> yes, uh, yes. You know, like uh, it is a very unique interview. <laughs> I love it. Um, yeah, I'm a I'm a husband and dad. We have three boys. My wife and Elizabeth. Elizabeth and I have been married for 15 years. We have three boys, 11, nine, and five, and uh, that's our life. That's that's what we build everything around. That's what we build our career around. And uh, yeah, I've been a professional photographer for 23 years. I've a big part of that has been professional sports photography. I've shot, you know, World Series, Super Bowl. I just got done with the NHL final back in, in, in Nashville about two weeks ago. And yeah, I, I set on a goal in the very beginning to try to photograph games in different stadiums. And it's turned into a, a big monstrous goal that's going towards a book down the road of, of photographing a game in every professional stadium. And yeah. So to start off with, Vincent, I'd really like to find out a little bit about the backstory. Um, you know, uh, the, there's a saying uh, by Robert Kiyosaki that uh, the money's all in the side of the business owners and uh, the investors, not in the side of the workers and the employees. And you made that switch from, uh, they say, the left side to right side of the quadrant, from employee to entrepreneur. Um, and that's made all the difference. I mean, um, like your upcoming book says, uh, you went from... Um, uh, freelance to freedom. So tell us a little bit more about that transition, Vincent. Yeah, we, it's, it's so true. Kiyosaki had such a huge influence on, I still remember reading Rich Dad when I was, uh, we, were, we were employees making $32,000 a year. I was a newspaper photographer and just our schedule was awful. Our time, you know, it, it was terrible. I loved what I did, but I had no control over my time and I made poor money. So what happened was I had won like international sports photographer of the year. I became like the number one award that I could win. And I got a 3% raise for it when, I, when we had a baby on the way. And at, at that point, I remember sitting in the office and saying, it's over. This career that I wanted, that I loved, it's over. I can't, I can't do this any longer. You know, I'm making $15 an hour doing this cool job, but where was this leading to? Everybody in the newsroom was disgruntled, was, was angry. They, they were, everybody complained about money. So I said, that's it. We can't do this anymore. So it was that day that I went home and 
my dad said something that changed my perspective. And this, this can help anybody. I, I would love that. He said to me, he goes, you have a skill, but you're not using it correctly. And I said, well, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, you, you have a ceiling of $32,000 a year. This is what your boss tells you you're worth. But yet you refuse to go and shoot corporate or wedding work or, or freelance stuff on your own where you can make your own rate. And so we started our business that day. And I called probably about 12 different wedding photographers to see if I can, you know, work with them. And every one of them turned me down. So I took the phone book that I was using and I threw it against the wall. And I said, they say, if you can't beat them, join them. I said, if you can't join them, I'm going to beat them. I was so angry. And we, we started our business that day. And we were about $140,000 in debt. We weren't making very much money. And three and a half years later, we had paid off with the side business, all of our debt completely, including our house and quit our jobs and got our life of freedom started. That is crazy. Uh, you know, I'd love to I'd love for you to elaborate. How did that happen? I mean, uh, most uh, people who actually jump ship like that, they struggle. Uh, they struggle for the first few years and uh, there's a lot up and down financially, emotionally, mentally, physically. Uh, yeah. Tell us about uh, why you feel uh, you ended up succeeding rather than struggling. We did one thing I think that was, that's a great question. Um, we did one thing I think that helped. We didn't quit right away. Um, we, didn't, we didn't get angry and jump. And we also, but we set a plan and we were disciplined. We said, we, we knew what we, where we wanted to get to. So we sat down, we, we planned out what we wanted our life to look like. And the one thing we did was we weren't going to quit the job. So we decided, and this is the big thing. This is the hardest thing to get people to understand. We lived off of our salary. Not, we weren't going on vacations with the salary. We weren't buying a better car. We were living off the salary and we we're paying off the debt with the business money. Whether we made $200 in a month or $10,000 in a month, the business money was going to pay off debt because paying off debt was going to give us the ability to quit the job. We're going to build the business up while we pay down debt. So by the time we quit, we had no debt. We were making twice as much as we needed to live. And it was easy just to leave. There was, when we left, I mean, there was no stress because we got rid of all that and we had started the business. So many people want the get, get rich quick thing and it works for a few, but not most. And that's where I think the struggle came from. We, so we're diligent in terms of taking the money that we made from the business to pay the debt off because we had a vision for it. Awesome. Uh, awesome. You know, uh, you know Great financial lesson here that you're teaching all of us uh, who are uh, potentially in debt. I mean, uh, most people have some form of debt. It could be a mortgage. It could be a credit card. It could be car loans, student debt, etc. cetera. Um, so uh, how did you get debt-free in terms of just uh, you focused on um, – I want you to kind of uh, break it down further because I think uh, this is an important topic to focus on. I think a lot of people are struggling to get out. Um, so was it just discipline or was it uh, – um, Tell us more about kind of like what caused you to get debt free. You, you, Ricky, we froze up there for a moment. You were asking about. The oh, uh, what would you say was the key factor in getting you debt free? Uh, because I think a lot of people who are watching right now are still in debt, yep. financial. Um, you know, um, for example, the house, the credit cards, the student loans, car payments. Um, you know, uh, some kind of debt. How did you? Get debt free. Uh, you know, what would you say to someone who's in, who's in debt right now, watching or listening to this? How would they get out of debt too? 
you have to get so angry at it that you're tired of it. You're just done with it. We had to, so many people I talk to that tell me they want to get out of debt, but then they go, yeah, but I still need to have that. And yeah, but I want to have the vacation in Disney. And yeah, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, no, what we did, we said, we're done with this. We don't want to live this lifestyle anymore. Um, so we were diligent and focused on it. I think that's, I think it's a consistency. I don't think it's a numbers game. I don't think it's a financial thing even. I think it's discipline to say, this is not what I want in my life and you have to be sure of it so you can make those sacrifices to do it. I'm not sure if that's the normal answer, but uh, it was the discipline to saying, we, we, we are set, steadfast, we don't want this in our life anymore. Makes sense, Vince. And uh, apologies, everyone. It's a little bit choppy. I'm here in Trinidad and Tobago with poor Wi-Fi, so I think our connection is a little bit choppy. Uh, but I think you can get the gist of what uh, Vincent's saying. Uh, Vincent, uh, tell us about the next few years. I mean, it was one thing uh, to transition from an employee to a freelancer to a full-time photographer. Uh, since that transition, uh, getting out of debt, et cetera, tell us about the next few years. Uh, where are you at since that moment? Yeah, it's, it's been wonderful because we've been able to shape the life that we wanted, which has been, which has been the key. We we're, were able to travel, not to the effect that you're doing, which is phenomenal, um, but we, are, uh, we travel with our kids. We, we, we live each day the way that we want to do it. We're, the, thing, the main thing is we're able to take that time that we used to use as an employee and build relationships and build products, things that are around what we've done. So I've built, actually, a, I've worked with a guy named Kyle Schultz as an online photo school, we've built a sports photography course for parents around my career as a sports photographer. So that's led to a good amount of passive income that comes from the side from what we've done in the past. So these things keep growing and growing because we have the time and the flexibility and without the stress of the money to do it. So things just keep getting better in that way. Uh, you know, you shared a lot of the good stuff since uh, becoming a business owner, a photographer. Um, you know, on the show, we love to also hear the struggles because I think um, most of us do have the struggles. I know I certainly have in my business career, uh, especially financial. You know, there'd be definitely a rough, a few rough months. And uh, emotionally, you know, I uh, struggling, fighting with my wife about the money. Mentally, you know, kind of beating myself up about, you know, why aren't I making enough money? And, uh, uh, you know, kind of like uh, being too hard on myself. So I would love for you uh, to share about your struggles and especially about your darkest moment because typically our darkest moments is something we don't want to share the public but that's exactly what the public and people watching and listening need to hear so that they realize their darkest moments and they're not they're alone yeah so tell us about your darkest most difficult moment in your business vincent oh where do you where do you start there's there's so many i think we all we put on this face that everything's phenomenal and what what, what i learned is even in what what is supposed to be like if you would have told me like, this is gonna be my life 10 years ago to now I would, I would have signed up for it in a moment but every second that you're going even when you get here you're always looking to strive and to get better and to grow so what happened for me was it got too good i'm not saying money wise we weren't rolling in it but i had all the time in the world what everybody wants to do what i wanted to do and i didn't have to work that much and that was the worst time because I lost control of who I really was and what I really wanted to do. Like I had too much freedom without structure. And I think so many people don't deal with that because they're so stuck for time and they all want that. But, but what I learned even with that is there's so much honor and value in doing the work that 
I had to learn to continue doing that the same way, the same pace, and to constantly try to be better than yesterday and never kind of give up on just growing. So I really went through a dark time in the opposite of what I would have thought. The money problems weren't my biggest thing. It was when I had too much time and too much flexibility that I didn't know what to do with it. It's kind of like you see like these musicians or rock stars that they have, they can do whatever they want and it's not the greatest lifestyle. That's how they get into couple of years is figuring that out. Vincent, uh, you have an amazing mission and a goal to uh, photograph every stadium in North America. Uh, tell us about that goal. Break it down. How many stadiums are there roughly? I mean, it might be hard to get an exact count because there are a lot of stadiums opening, uh, opening and closing, what defines a stadium, uh, etc. But tell us roughly how many stadiums they are. How many have you covered? to reach them all yeah well right now you know i don't have an exact number that's a great question i need to figure that out how many there are i have photographed games in 140 different stadiums as of this point um and i think i have about 40 more to go but they keep building new ones so they're never going to let me accomplish this goal because they but i just love the challenge of it um you know photographing these these, these big events in it what, what I, the book is going to be called one shot and it's going to be one photograph from each stadium an action, a moment, um, a real like storytelling picture for me. It's not just the building, it's, it's the game that goes on. So it's, it's a great goal for me to be able to travel with the family, be able to do the work that I love to do, make a business from it and live the experiences of life that I wanna do. So it's not a goal that I'm ever really looking to finish because it'll, it will never end. And I think that's the coolest part about it is I'll probably be doing this when I'm 90 because there'll be new ones and there'll be new expansions around the world to do. Um, but right now I'm focusing on North America and the major sports within here. So that's the first leg of it. Yeah, and are, are there any particular uh, stadiums uh, out of all the 140 you visited that are really uh, special to you, uh, both in terms of the stadium itself, but also in terms of the events, the Super Bowls, the World Series, the Stanley Cup Finals, the NBA Finals? Yeah. Uh, anything stick out uh, as being super memorable to you personally, Vincent? Yeah, there's a lot. There's so many. I mean, recently, the, the most recent one was the Stanley Cup final in Nashville. I photographed the Penguins winning the cup. And it might have been the loudest arena that I've ever been in. The, it was so intense. I literally, the game ended at 10 o'clock. I stayed at a friend's house. 1.30 in the morning, my ears were still ringing. You know, that's like rock concert type of stuff. That's not sporting event. It was so loud. So that was the, 23 years. It's the first Stanley Cup I ever photographed. So it was very memorable for me. The first Super Bowl I ever photographed was in New Orleans. That was um, right at the 9-11. U2 played the halftime show, and uh, I still remember walking onto the field. And I had been doing it for seven years at that point, and I remember thinking I made it. I, I, I felt like I made it when I walked onto that field. Um, not like I was playing. You know, I'm not a football player. But uh, walking on to shoot that the first time was really one of the most special moments that I've had in my professional career. I'm getting goosebumps just uh, imagining uh, these moments, the Stanley Cup final, you know, um, Sidney Crosby, whoever holding up the Stanley Cup over the head or, or the trophy or, you know, uh, what, whatever you've uh, seen so far. What about the moments? Um, any picture that you capture that really is one of your favorites? I know this is a hard question. It's like saying, what is your, who is your favorite child? But in terms of all the photographs, what are maybe your favorite or your top three? Oh. You're putting me on the spot. That's a great question. Because I, 
Okay, one of my favorite pictures is probably is not. They're usually not the best photographs. I think they're usually the story that comes with it. Um, and there's two that jump out. One was I wasn't even paid for it. It was 1996. It was in New York City at Yankee Stadium, and I was there as a fan. The beginning of my career, I had my camera with me, and um, I had always wanted to photograph a no hitter. I always wanted to be at a no hitter ever since I was a kid. And Dwight Gooden from the Yankees was pitching a no hitter. I always keep track from the very beginning when there hasn't been a hit given up. And I kept saying to my friends, like, he's pitching a no hitter. He's pitching. So by the sixth inning, hitter, I started sneaking down from our seats and I got down <clears throat> to the front row for the ninth inning and I got Dwight Gooden throwing the last pitch with the scoreboard in the background of all zeros him throwing the final pitch of the no hitter. And I brought that back to my job where I was working as an intern as a photographer and everybody looked at that picture and they all said, that would be the front page of the newspaper. And I said, okay. So I knew right then that I could probably make a career of this that from that picture. I was like, okay, I can do something. That was the first time. Um, you want another story? I have another one that's painful, but funny. Yeah, yeah, let, let's hear it. I mean, these stories are fascinating. I would love to hear them all day long. So uh, go on with the, the next story. But I mean, I had always wanted to have a two-page spread in Sports Illustrated. That was like a, a career dream of mine. And it never happened. I had came really close one time and it got, it got bumped. And four years ago, I got hired by Getty Images to photograph a Pittsburgh Penguin. I could barely even get to the arena and I was pain shooting out my leg. It felt like my leg was going to explode. Um, so I went through the entire game. I had left my, uh, what happened was we had shot a wedding the night before. I left my batteries on the charger so I didn't have batteries for my camera. I brought one of our broken cameras. I was completely out of it because I was in so much pain. I had to borrow a battery to photograph the game from the Penguins team photographer. I could barely do any work. I got the work done, and at the end of the game, I was in so much pain that I didn't leave to transmit my picture. I just stayed in my spot for an extra two minutes. Well, I normally would have left, but I stayed, and I photographed, they called the three stars of the game, where the top three players come out and skate. And Sidney Crosby from the Penguins came out. He was the top star, and I shot a picture of him. And that was the last picture I transmitted. I wouldn't have shot that if I wasn't in so much pain. Transmitted the picture. I physically got back into shape. Everything went better. And two months later, I got an email from my editor saying, congratulations. I said, what? He goes, you got a two-page spread in Sports Illustrated. And I said, really? I said, for what picture? And it was that Sidney Crosby picture that I wouldn't have shot if it wasn't for all that pain. So, and that's that picture you see right on my shoulder in a frame that my wife got me from Sports Illustrated, um, a large picture of it. So that's one of my favorite, most painful stories. Well, uh, I definitely love these stories. You, uh, you know, uh, by far you made it as a photographer, as a sports photographer. Uh, you know, there are a lot of people who might be listening and watching who are starting off in photography. Maybe they're amateur photographers, semi-pro. They don't really know how to transition into a full-time business. So listen, that photographer who's listening and watching right now in terms of how can you make it as a photographer? That's a great question. And, and it's different now than when I started, to be honest. With social media, I think, I think in a lot of ways it's harder, but in so many ways it's so much easier because you get your name out so much more. But I always go back to what you want from your life and what holds you back. And like we talked about earlier with money, I think two things, having control of your money and where it's going 
and being financially and business smart is huge because most photographers are not. Um, I, I made a joke like, how do you confuse a group of photographers and you start talking business? Because none of them ever do. They all think in terms of just getting the best picture and that's very important, but you need to be a business person. And the other thing is relationships. Like this right here, talking, meeting people, meeting new people, all my connections, everything that's come from my career, the Stanley Cup, the Super Bowls, that's all come from relationships that I've built intentionally asking, reaching out, connecting people. So many people just think scarcity, like what I need for my business, and you gotta think the opposite. Think how you can help other people get what they want. And people will send jobs to you. They will, they will help you every way you can, but most people don't do that. And I think that's a huge part of it. So you and your uh, wife, you work as a team. It's called Elizabeth Vincent Photography. So tell us about that. I mean, it's one thing to be married to a spouse, whole other ball game to uh, be working with her. So what are the struggles of working with your spouse, um, life and business? That's great. Yeah, we, we're, we're kind of unique. We met in college, so we were in the same classes together. And then we, were, we, went, we got jobs at a newspaper together. And then we started our business together. So we've known no different. Um, and there's been tremendous struggles. I'm a bullheaded, pig-headed person often. And she's the sweetest person in the world. So we, we butt heads a lot of times. I'm much more aggressive. She's much more passive. We've had to learn how to talk to each other. Um, it's helped our marriage a lot in terms of the business problems that we've had um, because I'm a go, go, go type of guy and I needed to learn to rein it in to understand what she's going through. Um, I, I, I think it's great for every couple to have a business together because you really get to the heart of the matter a lot quicker with what your marriage issues are. So our business has really helped our marriage, but we've had some knockdown, drag out arguments, fights, money, um, time, everything that came with it, but it's helped us grow. And tell us about the impact of the kids. I mean, um, you know, when you're uh, doing this photography, I assume you're also doing a lot of it alone without the kids, uh, you know, flying around, uh, being away from them. Tell us about that uh, struggle that you face as a uh, photographer dad and being away from the wife and kids at times. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, our kids are the main reason why we're able to do what we're doing. Before that, I was like almost every other photographer. Uh, I needed the work. When our kids were born. I basically said, "You're asking me to leave my family to do an assignment, so you're going to pay me." I didn't say it out loud, but I said it to myself, "You're going to pay me like you're like I'm leaving my family." So our rates went way up, and what happened was people didn't really bat an eye. We just realized we were undercharging. And what happened was our rates went up and we did less assignments. So I'm not gone nearly as much as people think I am. Like I'll go to the Stanley Cup and then I'm not traveling again. I'll, I'm not gone every night. I, I don't do a tremendous amount of photography assignments between what we do. We, we just get paid well for it and we go to a different level. And then I do a lot of other stuff in terms of business coaching and courses. So we, we blend it all in. Even in terms of full-time, I wouldn't even consider myself a full-time photographer any, any longer. It's part of what we do. Awesome. So what is your vision going forward? Uh, we've already talked about some of your major goals, visiting every stadium, photography, uh, photographing every stadium, potentially not only North America, but uh, beyond as well. Uh, what are your, uh, some of your other big uh, bucket list items, you know, your feature going forward? 
That's a, that's good. I don't. You would think I would have him. I am. I am a better than yesterday type of guy. I am a. You know. I don't have. I'm doing what I want to do. I, I feel very fortunate. Um, in terms of bucket list, it just keeps coming. In terms of what comes next, I heard Tim Ferriss talk about it, where he ha- he says he has two week and six month goals, and that's all he plans on with with business. And I I really am taking to that because I'm seeing that a lot. So I've got goals for the next six months. I'm building a membership site around everything that I do. Um, I'm I've got about five or six more stadiums I want to shoot this year. I want to shoot in, and I want to, and we're traveling with our kids. We're 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 taking a page out of your book. We're going we're going on the road for three months, starting January through April or so, as as a family. So that's that's probably the biggest goal for us. That's the most exciting. Yeah, it is indeed exciting traveling with your kids and uh, seeing the world through their eyes. So tell us uh, where are you going to be heading uh, in those few months of travel? Yeah, we're going. We got a house in Tucson, Arizona, for January. So that's going to be we picked we picked a warm spot of the U.S. to go because even northern Arizona didn't seem that warm for January. So we picked Tucson, and then we're going to Oceanside, California, for February. And March is still to be determined. And we're just going to travel around and go to the national parks and see everything there is to see around there, and just enjoy our time together. And uh, you know, you've been documenting this journey. You have a big book coming out as well about uh, you know your transition, uh, but also about helping other people make that transition that you have already made. And the best way to get somewhere is to ask someone who's already been there before us. So tell us about the book uh, you have upcoming. Yeah, the book is very much about like we talked about earlier in terms of going from a job that was you know I had a skill, but I wasn't getting paid very well. Um, taking that and building something off of that taking something where, like you said, where you can help others and use the skills that you have to help others and continue to build the life that you want. To me, time freedom, money freedom, location freedom is huge. I have five phases that I go through and that's the fifth one is basically you have total control of your time, money, and where you can go. And it's totally possible to do with this, even in terms of the freelance world, because you have so much more freedom to, to choose what you're going to do. I think a lot of people just undercut themselves. They don't have the faith in themselves or they believe people that that tear them down and i try to do a lot to help people get through that um you know you teased at the five stages tell us about those five that work for your life yeah um the first one is is escaping the seeds of discontent and it basically is what i've learned through my studies 80 percent of people in jobs don't like their jobs they're stressed out they're in debt they're struggling with their time they're not in great shape um, they're not living the life they, they wake up at 35 years old and they go, what happened? I've got you know, a wife and two kids and I have a job I don't like and I've got all this debt and I want to do something different. That's what I see so many people. Um, phase two is when you're starting something on the side. It's taking, even without quitting your job, you're starting a side gig, which is so important to, to transition from the job and then going through the optimal freelancer and then to a life of freedom and then Every day is Independence Day is phase five, and that's, that's the most fun. Yeah, you know, I, I see that as well. I interview all of our uh, guests. Uh, we're almost at 100 episodes now. And I've seen, actually, uh, part of the reason why people travel is the, that discontent with their regular job, with their regular lives. Uh, you know, in my case, I had become a domesticated, suburbanized dad living in Vancouver, BC, Canada. You know, I was happy overall. I was married. I had three wonderful kids. But I was uh, commuting back and forth from school. And I knew there was this incredible world out there. And now I'm no longer in Vancouver, BC, Canada. 
I'm actually enjoying the world I only dreamed of in the past. And I, I, think, I think so many people want to do what you're doing and they don't know how to do it. And I love your, I love your show. I love what you're doing. I love the, the inspiration that you're giving to people in terms of you're showing them stuff that they probably, like I didn't know you can hang out with roosters in the morning. I didn't even know that was possible. So that's just a, a great lesson for all of us and uh, just commend you for what you're doing. Thanks, Vincent. Thanks, Vincent. And yeah, I mean, uh, it's one thing for us to impact our own family, own kids, whole other ball game to impact others. And that's why we put on these shows, uh, Digital Moment Mastery Podcast. We put on a big summit. I do private coaching just because I want to help teach other people how to make money while traveling the world. And it is possible. You know, if one person can do it, so can anyone. And I really believe that. Uh, when I was back in Vancouver, BC, Canada, I actually learned from, absorbed, I'm like, oh man, you know, if they can do it, I'm as educated as them, I'm as driven as them, I have the skills, abilities, passions, drive, and I ended up doing it. So now hopefully what I'm doing will inspire others, and I really feel it's a paid forward ripple effect uh, to impact uh, other people around the world. That's awesome, and, and I think what you did, and the things that you said to yourself, I think that, in terms of teaching that, I think that's what holds people back. They don't say that to themselves. They don't say they're good enough. They don't say they can do it. They actually tell themselves, ah, I don't think I can. And the ones that think that they can, they figure it out. Even if you don't know it right away, not that you fake it, but you have to keep going to figure it out. And that's, I commend you for doing that, that you can say that about yourself and, and you, you need that faith in yourself to do it. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, uh, in my coaching, one of the things I found is that uh, the biggest struggle that people face is not the logistical issues, it's the self-worth issues. And when you feel that you're worth it, that you deserve it, that you can do it, it will happen. And uh, you know, uh, I, I'm glad I asked you things like the darkest moments because we have uh, all had those darkest moments. And I know for sure in my heart of hearts that people watching, listening, who are in that place of darkness, and there is light, literally, at the end of the tunnel. Uh, you know, uh, here I'm in Trinidad and Tobago with the light shining down upon me. And I remember those dark moments in Vancouver where I was just like, oh, man, I don't know if I'll ever get out of this. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm so much about giving back uh, because I know what it feels like to be in darkness, and I know what it feels like to be in light, and light is so much better. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. I mean, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think, and I think what, what happens is some people get so overwhelmed that they give up. And the key is to not get overwhelmed and just be better than yesterday and keep doing something that's going to make you better than the day before that. I think we lose sight of that. It's not about figuring everything out all at once because I can tell you, we photographed John Mellencamp, you know, the musician, and his album wasn't doing great. And they asked him, they said, they said you know, don't you miss the days where you could do all the best-selling albums? And he said something that really kind of rocked me. He said, I've been to the top and there's nothing up there. So I'm fine. And I was like, wow, like he was not even longing for the days of like, he was just enjoying his life as it was and making the music that he wanted. He didn't need to have a number one best-selling album. Just like you don't need to have a million dollar course. You need to be content with your life and getting better every day. And that's where the happiness to me comes from. Absolutely. Uh, so, Vincent, you've shared a wealth of uh, wisdom in many areas, you know, the mindset area, the lifestyle area, the business area, the marriage area, and the family area. Uh, so, Vincent, tell us about how people can find you, maybe pick your brain, uh, maybe uh, get advice and tips on how they can uh, go from an employee 
to an entrepreneur, to a photographer, or anything, really. The principles you've been talking for about really apply to any career, any person. So tell us about how people can connect with you. Yeah, great, thank you. Um, my website, I don't know if you want to put a link at some point, uh, vincentpuglisi.com. I'm actually developing, by the time this goes, you said it'll come out in July, um, there's going to be a seven-part course, a free course that I'm giving away just to, when you go to my website in terms of my book. Um, seven lessons from my book that I've turned into a course just to get people started and just kind of, like you said, the mindset is, is a, such a huge part and it goes to every aspect of your life. It's not just money. It's not just business. It's family. Um, so is it, that's there. So if you go to my website, um, it's all right there. Awesome. Uh, make sure you check out Winston's website. Make sure you check out his photography. I'll have the links below. If you're watching this, the links will be below. If you're listening to this on iTunes, uh, I'll put them on the show notes. And, uh, you know, we're tuning out here for live from Trinidad and Tobago. The chickens and myself say goodbye. And uh, thanks for your time today, Vincent. Happy travels, and uh, we'll catch up with you soon. Thanks, Ricky. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for tuning in to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world and how to follow your passions such as I have, such as Vincent has, such as over 100 of our guests have as well. So we'll uh, catch you in the next episode. Make sure you subscribe uh, if you're watching iTunes uh, and, uh, you know, follow us all over the web, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money 